0: What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mowar. Presented, as always, by our good friends at VolleyballMag.com. We are all back from Vegas after, I don't know if you caught up, but Triborn, the host of the show, and Trevor Crabb almost took a bronze, narrowly lost to Russia's Vyacheslav Kursilnikov and Oleg Stoyanovsky. Can't imagine I pronounced his names right, but I gave it my best. Um, and Gold, of course, went to Norway's Anders Moll and Christian Sorum and Brandy Wilkerson and Heather Bansley of Canada. So we're, we're back. We're still scrambling around because we're doing a lot of traveling. And then I am heading out of town on Wednesday to play in a NorSeca in Martinique, with Ben Vaught so we'll still be scrambling around for a little bit until we are fully in the offseason not traveling anymore and we won't be uh, quite as out of sorts as normal or as we have been throughout the season but we've somehow made it work. This week we have a a really really fun guest and uh, a a fellow volley nerd in coach Jeff Alzina. He is like almost uh, kind of approaching legendary status as a coach in beach volleyball. I mean he's coached More than two dozen Olympians. He's coached several hundred pros. He helped establish the Greece beach volleyball program. He's done a little bit of everything and now he is currently the volunteer assistant at UCLA alongside one of the former players. He used to coach uh, Stein Metzger. He helped him out in the 04 Athens Olympics with Dax Holdren uh, and helped them to a national championship. So in just one year, he's already got his natty title in his ring. Uh, we talk a little bit about that and we talk a lot about the UCLA program going forward. What Al has yet to accomplish as a coach. Um, super fun one. We're definitely going to have to have him back on because we didn't did not get to nearly everything I wanted to get to. I, I love guys who are uh, who look at the game with with such kind of a, a, a geeky enthusiasm like me. He he loves film, he just loves watching volleyball and, and kind of getting better and helping everybody else get better. So really, really fun sandcast. Tune in. Thanks as always for listening. If you enjoy the show, be free, feel free to give us a, a review on iTunes. We sure do appreciate it. But most of all, we just appreciate you guys listening. So have fun, and we'll catch you guys next week on Sandcast. Are you, right. uh, you back from Vegas, I am back, and I'm home. Nice. I saw... I, I didn't get a chance to listen to you on ESPN. How'd it go, though?
1: On Sunday on ESPN? Well, it went really quick. The Bali Vikings are a little too good.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, and, like... That's the third straight final that they've played the Polish in, or, well, the third straight FIVB final that they've played them in, and, like, it's hard to beat a team that good three times in a row, and they keep beating them worse and worse.
1: <laughs> right. Right. I guess Poland got them the first two times they ever played them, and now it's 5-0. and
0: Holy yeah, cow, I didn't know it was 5-0. and I knew that they. it's now 3-0 and in their last, like, two months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, going back to late
1: 2017, they've just been
0: crushing them. Yeah. It's funny, like... Poland, everyone's first thought is Losiak and Kantor, but Brill and Fijalek had a hell of an end of the year. Like they kind of came yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One thing Brill's has really improved a lot last couple of years. Yeah. He's a much better blocker and he seems more, he's got savvier offense and he just, he seems like he's matured a lot.
2: Yeah. He's big. Yeah, he, um, Vici, as we call Fijelek, yeah. He, um, He's, like, one of the best players. When I was first on tour, he was a top team in the world. He and his old partner, Prudhoe, were battling with uh, Rosie and Phil for being the top number one team in the world. Yeah, was pound for pound one of the best. For his size, he's one of the best all-around volleyball players in the world. It's just he kind of – you never know what game he's going to bring. And and he easily gets – he can easily get mad at his partner. That's for sure. Yes. Well, he's uh, he he was the first guy that
1: I thought started playing against Todd Rogers at Todd's Peak and said, "I'm just going to do what you're doing."
2: <laughs> totally. He, he's he totally he plays game,
1: right. He just goes super totally. high ball inside seven or eight feet, so he can chisel down the line on the right, and uh, and then cuff it to the left too. And Lupo tried to copy that game a little bit, but Fialik is just. He's just mini Raji to me.
2: Yeah, totally. That's exactly what it, what I was picturing.
1: One of the interesting things also was um, I talked to their coach a bunch this weekend because um, the Poland coach is, I don't know how old he is, and it must be about 38, because when I was a national team's coach in Greece, living in Athens, Spiros Karhalios, their coach, was my junior national team player. Wow. And so. This kid used to play juniors for us and he was about 5'10 and and he would be my assistant help train against our women's national team the senior national team as well. And so it's really cool that he's kind of stuck around with volley at all the people in Greece that whole program kind of died after 2004 but Spiros has uh, become a you know world renowned coach and he was talking to me about those guys and he said yeah for sure that guy just copied Raji to a T, <laughs> even getting pissed at his partner stuff so
2: Right yeah <laughs>
0: and this was the first time that i got to see lupo in person dude it's it's so much different like watching on youtube or like on a live stream is just so much different than in person because like on youtube it looks like he's super shoddy and that you like eventually you'll be able to run him a lot down but it's just the game moves so much faster in person like him and nikolai they're unreal <laughs> when you're there. I know, I don't know how they lost this weekend. I
1: don't know how they ever lose. <laughs> really good They're
0: so but it's really
1: I think part of the reason the game was so fast this week was what they were playing on, right? I mean they weren't yeah. gonna win most of the time and then that was the hardest pack sand I think I've ever seen.
2: Yeah. It was uh it's no fun warming up against Anders Moll and just, uh, just <laughs> It's like it's like indoor warm ups all over again. I was like this is ridiculous. The sand, ridiculous. they even were grooming the sand like so it was really flat and packed, and it, it felt like we we're just playing indoor. I saw
1: that. It's like, wait a
2: minute, they're not rototilling, they're raking and padding it down. This is just not good.
1: Yeah. Jackson, I got to call uh, three of Stoyanovsky's games, and that guy, holy moly.
2: Yeah, right. exactly.
1: On the first day, of Thursday, when there was no wind, the six, he's listed at 6'9 or 6'10, but I swear to God, the guy looks like he's over seven feet tall with
2: hops. Yeah, it feels like he's seven feet tall when you're playing against him, trying to reach somewhere in his uh, in his wheelhouse. Yeah, I
1: think the good thing yeah. is he hasn't really learned how to like separate
2: his arms blocking
1: yet. He kind of goes with both hands in one direction, and so he doesn't have quite the diameter that and mm-hmm. does or Phil does yet. But he'll probably get there.
2: Yeah, he's they're both of them are really young, which is scary.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was I was looking at try when you were playing them. I was looking at their BVVs just to see how tall they were, and I thought Krasilnikov was maybe like six one, just because he looked so tiny next to Stoyanovsky. He's a, he's a full yeah. six <laughs> five. I was like, yeah. man, that's a big blocker to make a six five guy look like a peanut. <laughs> right. Me and Trevor are both 6'5", as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's got whip
1: on him, too. Krasonika's C- just got just an absolute hose for an arm.
2: Yeah, he's
0: world-class. His jump serve, too, is gnarly. Yeah. yeah, uh, Those guys are good. Yeah. it's a fun weekend, but uh appreciate you coming on after a really busy weekend for you. Dude, Z, how many games <laughs> did you call this weekend? Uh,
1: between three and four each day for three days and... Of- 10, probably around twelve games.
0: Okay. Oof. I mean, I know you've like obviously you've been around volleyball for decades, but have you ever done any like live stream or color commentary stuff, or were you just kind of thrown in there?
1: Uh, no. I actually did a bunch of stuff right when the um, when the AVP well, actually two thousand and nine in Muskegon. Geeter <laughs> called me up once, and he said, "Dude, I said, what are you doing?" And they had this little like giant platform in between four separate courts. And he was like in a swivel chair, just spinning around, calling the action while they, they just tried the, you know, live streaming. And he's like, see, I need some help up here. I got a Bud Light for you. Let's go. <laughs> I called like a match with him and we just felt like there was magic. We And we said, dude, let's just keep going all day. We called like five or six in a row and then woke up doing do it again the next day. And so I did a whole bunch in 2009. I went out to Vegas and did a, uh, the tournament there. I did the Glendale event, and then um, when the AVP went under and uh, was it? Corvo took over, um, I did a bunch of stuff for Corvo, and so I've been kind of going off and on with some live streaming with the AVP over the last five or six years. When they came
0: back, gotcha. Um, I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to listen to any of the live stream just because I've been at all of the events. But the the feedback that I've gotten is that the the commentary has been pretty exceptional just because you guys, are, like all of you guys have such good volleyball minds. It seems like who's the most fun guy that you've gotten to, to stream with.
1: Well, I probably have the best flow with Dax, but also when Albert Hanneman came in for Dax one day in San Jose, Albert and I had a really good flow. Um, and I got a call one with Stokey in San Jose too. And when he let me talk, yeah, it was, Guido is the dream team though. I've actually done a bunch with Rich Lamborn. Rich and I uh, have a really nice flow. We've done a bunch, maybe like 10, 10 to 12 uh, A V P matches together. Um, yeah, Rich is. Great. I, I really like it. I like it a ton because you know after coaching twenty one seasons, um, I just feel like. I mean, I, I yeah, you know, I coach so much year round. I mean, I'm still I'm coaching every day pretty much for. Thirty hours a week, just on-court coaching. But uh, to get be able to sit back and just kind of bring the game to other people and explain it to people who have been around it and introduce it to people who haven't is is uh, pretty rewarding right now for where
2: I'm at with Bali.
0: Yeah, and are you are you currently coaching anyone right now? I know that UCLA is kind of in that weird like half fall season um but are you like full-time coaching anyone right now or or are you kind of taking a breather for a minute until spring rolls around and you're back full bore
1: well i've always done private lessons during the week for the last 15 years and so i always have uh, i have these groups that i do on tuesdays and thursdays that never stop they go year-round uh ucla actually is in the 20 hour a week uh, session right now we're um We get four competitions this fall, and we're going 20 hours a week, so I'm up there a ton. And then I run a a beach volleyball club with Stein called L.A. Beach, and um, I do that three days a week. And I run a clinic series as well, (laughs) so I did that on – I just did a clinic tonight down in Orange County. (laughs) So
0: you keep busy. When did you get
1: back from Vegas? I got back – Last night, and I woke up at six thirty this morning and went up to UCLA for about four hours this morning, ran practice, came home, drove down to Orange County, and ran my clinic.
0: <laughs> this' the, no season for a, for a veteran.
2: Not a lot of volleyball in your life. <laughs> and he, he's always, uh, at least unofficially this week, on call for me and Trevor. Trevor's That's always sitting right. up the, uh, at random hours. <laughs> yeah. Even when we're in China.
1: <laughs> right. Hey, what do you think? I, I've always got a little bit of phone phone coaching going on, some Skype coaching going on.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I've been working uh, with the, uh, the USA U19 program all season as well. And uh, the two gals were coached by Allie Wood, but they're both, uh, one is at UCLA and one's going to be at UCLA, and they're both in my club. So I was helping them out a lot on the side as well as coaching the two boys that were playing for U19s. So and they just came back from the uh, Youth Olympic Games in Argentina. Um, so it was kind how they, of cool how they how do out there, how they do the, the gals took fourth and, um, the boy took
0: fifth. Okay. I love, uh, I love following along with, with Timmy Brewster and, and John Schwengel. They play every single tournament I've ever played in. Those guys have played like they're at every CBVA. <laughs> like they're probably sneaking into like double A's just to get extra reps. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> right. they play everything.
1: They play everything. They never sleep. They're totally into the volley, just like <laughs> yeah. the Partain boys. Hey,
2: yeah. how does, um, speaking of the young youth, how does uh, the the young up-and-comers for the U.S. look uh, these days? Anything uh, us older players should uh, know about or, or <laughs> fans? <laughs> uh,
1: the gals have got some really good athletes that I think need some more elite-level um offensive coaching i think they need to start breeding uh or originating the the offense that we saw a lot this weekend on the world tour you know a little bit more stuff on two some quick sets some shoot sets uh most american youth uh, female youth players still kind of just run the up and down set and don't always have a block and um so they pull a lot and stuff like that so i i think when the the gals become a little more physical. We're going to be really good in the next couple of years. And the boys, I, I was obviously at the high performance uh, tournament this year with, with Tim and, and all those guys. And we've got a ton of really good defenders, ton of talented defenders, and a lot of hand setters that want to move the ball around and run that kind of offense. But we've got to find the, the blockers. Uh, mm. and Absolutely uh, woo them into the program and woo them into the beach, you know, because all the bigger guys simply play indoor right now. Right. Right. A guys a couple guys on the east coast as well that are big and that really want
0: to go beach first so uh we need more of them but they're out it. there all right i was i was out on the beach with ben vaut this morning because we're uh we're leaving for a north Seca on wednesday and so he played in in the u21 stuff i think maybe two years ago and mm-hmm. he was saying that when he did the U21 thing a couple years ago, he had to play against Anders and Christian and Stoyanovsky and Velichko. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, damn, that's a tough draw. That's
1: not the youth class you want to be in for your <laughs> no. four years of being <laughs> yeah, acceptable to buy Holy cow. So we don't yeah, have we our Stoyanovsky's
0: to. laying around, do we? yeah <laughs>
1: I have not. I've definitely not seen any of the US. There was about a six foot eight kid, I think, from Virginia that came to high performance, but it was odd because he and a couple kids from Florida they didn't come to the trials to see if they could go to World Champs with us, and so they ended up just being an A two team and missed out on all the coaching. Right when we go to high performance, that means like myself and if I have an assistant, we coach all the the A one teams, the ten teams, right? And I got all those kids into. Uh, a Marine Street Open for the preparation on the weekend, and I got them all into the Hermosa ADP qualifier and got some help there. So it would have been really neat to get some of these uh, these other kids, but they just didn't come to trials. Hmm.
2: So, yeah, nothing to worry about for a couple of years' Try, We'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, look. I'm playing D and blocking now, so I can uh, scoot either direction if I need to, you know? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> You're looking pretty good back there this weekend, though uh i think you could argue either way at different times in the tournament but yeah
0: thanks (laughs)
2: there's some points where i'm like i'm like man i hope z's not up in the booth talking about this (laughs) (laughs) and then other moments i'm like all right there we go there we go i got something we were riding trevor a little bit uh for for the saturday afternoon match Oh Um, yeah yeah here's um
1: (laughs) germany right yeah, he was running the you know the two defense where he was standing on the line, and then they would just roll it over. And after the match, I was like, "I thought you told me I could go stand over there." I'm like, "Well, yeah, for a second.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> go stand over there. You,
1: definitely...
0: you still got to go get the jumbo, man. We're gonna pause real quick for a word from our sponsors who keep the show moving. We are incredibly grateful for all of our sponsors and all of you, the listeners, who keep the show moving and keep moving us forward. Couldn't do it without you. Um, and now it's it's nuts that how fast the AVP season went by. But since it is over now, it is probably time that you re-upped on your volleyballs. I know that mine have turned to a kind of brownish-yellow color. So I know it's time for me to re-up on my volleyballs. I'm sure it is time for you too as well. So go to wilsonvolleyball.com. Use the discount code WILSONSAND to get 20% off of all purchases at wilsonvolleyball.com. This show is also brought to you, as always, by our guys at VolleyballMag.com. They are your daily digital news source for all things volleyball. They got indoor covered. They got beach covered, whether it's from Stad to Hermosa Beach. Ed Chan has the best pictures in the game. Lee Fienneswag has the most insightful interviews. Every now and then I contribute something that might be worthless, might be worthwhile reading. I'm not sure, but if you're looking for volleyball news, make sure to go to VolleyballMag.com, your daily digital news source for all things volleyball. We would also like to welcome Volley Camp Hermosa, As a new sponsor of the show, if you're listening, you've probably heard of Volley Camp Hermosa. It is the place to go to get better at beach volleyball. Whether you are planning a trip to Hermosa Beach, California, the mecca of beach volleyball, or live locally, they have professional coaches to take your game to the next level. For those making the beach volleyball pilgrimage, they offer week-long adult training camps that are the complete beach volleyball experience. If you live locally or you can't join a camp, you can take their weekly classes and or private training. All levels are welcome, from A to AAA to open. Sign up online at www.volleycamphermosa.com. I'll say that one more time, www.volleycamphermosa.com. Or for more information, you can just give them a call. It is 234-PLAY-VCH. Or you can email them. Info at VolleyCampHermosa.com. We will see you guys on the sand. And, of course, we always love our sponsors at PacificCoastWealthManagement.com because if your financial plan goes beyond making it into the main draw of an AVP volleyball tournament, check out our online planning tool at PacificCoastWealthManagement.com. We all know that you beach volleyball players need to, to put that oodles of prize money somewhere. You might as well start it with Pacific Coast Wealth Management. So when you get to the site, click on their link, build your financial plan here, and work with a licensed fiduciary advisor who can discuss everything from 401ks, IRAs, life insurance, estate plans, tax strategy, social security, investments, or good old stock tips. Also known as a lot of stuff that beach volleyball players genuinely don't know a whole lot about, which is why we need the help with our guys at Pacific Coast Wealth Management. Business owners who need to offer benefits, retirement, or pension plans for their their employees, partners or themselves you can give them a call too or 529 college savings or Roth IRA for your kids did you know that you can give 15000 a year to your kid I know when I was a kid, I wouldn't have minded that. Start with your favorite volleyball player by connecting with us at Pacific Coast Wealth Management on Instagram or www.pacificcoastwealthmanagement.com. Or you can give them a call, 949-637-7052. Again, that is 949-637-7052. A lot of the listeners of the show are professional athletes, and as we all know, you cannot have enough recovery, which is why the show is also brought to you by our good friends at FireflyRecovery.com. So what Firefly Recovery is, it is a wearable device that simulates blood flow throughout the damaged or sore or afflicted area, say a knee and what you do you just strap it on and it helps you recover much faster so when you are on that 12 hour flight to stad or a 36 hour trip to south africa you can put this on and you're not going to get that super sore kind of swollen feeling that you get after you fly on planes actually you can make your plane you can make your trip productive by putting on firefly recovery helping heal up that area getting off and you're going to be playing the best volleyball of your life so give them a visit at fireflyrecovery.com let us know what you think, and use the discount code SANDCAST in all caps for a 10% off. All right, that is SANDCAST, all caps, for 10% off at FireflyRecovery.com. And now, back to the show.
2: Dude, we don't have our uh, – our show and takes and everything are not dialed right now. <laughs> we, we eventually just been like, let's just take one and then be athletes and go figure the rest out because well, – uh, like, A couple out.
1: blocking roles each. Uh, then, but, right. Let you guys have a really good
2: victory there. Yeah, I think <laughs> both of us just get frustrated, like, with it, and we're just like, eh, we're just going to block everything.
1: If <laughs> Dax was toying with the idea. He's like, how about send them both up? <laughs> we
2: did. We we got a block. We double-blocked, and then uh, they called Trevor for a net on one of our <laughs> matches. He <laughs> came up behind Trevor and and blocked the ball. Uh, we were both there, uh, but then he was in the net, so... Tried that, too. Was some he, of those like
1: those net calls, man. They, they yeah, have some crucial had net
2: call, too. Oh
0: and God. Jake
1: Gibbs yeah. suffered two crucial setting net calls uh, against the uh, against the Russians who knocked him out, right? Uh,
2: yes. Yeah, it was, they it won't will, play was the what? Russians, and
1: Jake got called at 18-all for setting a ball when he pulled it out of the bottom of the net. And then in the third set at like 9 to 8, Taylor Doug won tight and Jake ran real quick and then kind of poked it before it got in the net. And they said he netted with his back. And uh, Jake said no chance on either one. The one Dude, 18 all. If you don't
2: sit there in that, just don't call it. I don't know what, what, why would you call it, especially at those points in matches. Right. But some of those uh, Brazilian refs seem to pop up at the wrong time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Not one sure 18, why. The one 18 all on with Jake. The video looked bad because Jake was like, I mean, he had to reach almost under the net to the other side to bring it back, and like the whole ball got the net. But try your the net they called on you at twelve twelve was one of the most ludicrous things I've ever seen. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, that was dumb. That's tough, yeah, just, and you can't argue. FIVB, like it's like you have to try to forget about it so quickly because the the refs just won't have it. They won't talk to you or anything they won't explain it to you so you just have to forget about it and be like well you just gave a point away at the most crucial time in a medal match thanks i know
1: it's i've always tried to say that to my teams that you should expect three bad calls if you can expect three absolute dog crap calls with get without getting rattled at all then it's all right for the fourth you can rip them off the stand
2: but <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: But three, you just got to basically say, like, they're going to screw up, just like, you know, players are going to screw up. But on the other hand, I talked to Holly McPeak and Sinjin, and I said, I think we need to go talk to the international referee delegates and at least let players try to have some conversation about what happened. Yeah, because they give you the, the stiff arm, and it's just, it's like, that doesn't allow anything good to happen. It just frustrates players and doesn't let anybody see any emotion or dialogue to the referee, and there's no nuance and no personality.
2: And we don't get to fix the problem. You tell us what we did wrong so we can fix right. it. Also, don't don't make a call unless you see it for sure. You know? Yeah. Like, if it's a question, it's a no call. Right. If, if Like, if the, it might have been the ball that hit the net, which is, I think, what happened in my play. The ball hit the net and, and hit my head and rattled around. Like, don't call it unless you see my arm touch the net. Not just because you saw the net move. Right. 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 That's right. our sport.
0: <laughs> um, but Z, I know that – I mean you have a, a hell of a coaching resume. Um, I'm curious as to how you got into coaching just because like you don't have like a crazy extensive background playing, Beach. Um, I sure do And so I, I was just wondering like how, how did you get into this path and then like you built – like a little coaching empire here like your your tree of players that you have is pretty astounding we're gonna need a three hour episode for this that I've,
1: yeah it's pretty cool to see a lot of the players that I've coached now actually getting into coaching that's always what makes coaches happy right it means that you must have helped players uh, stay in love with the game or fall in love with the game or fall in love with the uh, the sharing side of the game um, and so that's starting to happen a lot now because I've been around for a while as players I've coached for a long time or are, are out there coaching and I get to coach against it, which is pretty cool. Um, but my start came with a pretty solid stroke of luck. Um, in 1997, I'll give you the sort of short version, <laughs> In 1997, the world, the FIVB world tour said that they wanted to do a tour stop here in California. Yeah. And so they held the world champs in 1997 on the UCLA campus in the tennis center. And as you may know, when you, if a country is going to get the Olympic games, they get it seven years in advance. And so Greece had just received the bid for the 2004 games in the summer of 97. And so in September of 97, uh, the Greek volleyball Federation sent some of their indoor managers out here to come meet people and talk to people and say, Hey, we'd like to get someone to help develop a program for the next seven years so we can be decent when we host. And anyway, they talked to a few people, and uh, the current kind of big-wig coaches out here were Jim Mangus and Dane Selznick. And I had never coached beach volleyball at that point, but I had trained with tons and tons of the best players. I I wasn't (laughs) elite myself, but people liked training with me because I would often just set up drills for them and set up games, you know, competitive things for us to play. And I don't know, that was like my biggest experience was not necessarily competing at a high level, but training at a high level with a lot of elite players. So some of those players, when I found out that um there was going to be a hire for Greece full time, some of those players and coaches said, hey, you know what? This guy'd be really good. And I coached obviously a ton of indoor to that point. And anyway, I, I got an interview with them. And when I got over there, they said, we really want someone who's young and who doesn't have family and who has worked with young people because Greece's vision for the sport They had no idea that most of the current FIBB and AVP players were in their low 30s or early 30s. And they thought that they should be training like 18-year-olds so that they'd be 25 when the games came around. So for whatever reason, they liked that I had worked with a lot of young people, and they liked my references and things. And so my first job was the national team's director and head coach for men's, women's, and juniors beach volleyball. And I stayed over (laughs) for about two and a half years.
0: That's a hell of an entry-level position. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's only about six
0: coaches, maybe seven
1: coaches worldwide in the whole world uh, that were coached in full-time beach volleyball, and I got to be one of them. <laughs> and it was uh, insane. It was insane. I, I moved over there, and that, they gave me you know an office an apartment, and I got to hire an assistant and just start finding people playing indoor that I thought would be great on the beach, and. Long story kind of short is we, we got these girls from the indoor national team that were playing a little bit of beach. They played some events, and they were ranked, like, number 65 or something like that on the world tour. <clears throat> and we negotiated to get them full-time to the beach and pay them a little bit and full-time coaching. And the goal was for 2004, but within one year, they were already ranked number 12 and qualified to the Sydney Olympics.
0: Hmm. You have uh, so, your, your numbers are pretty spot on. I have them right in front of me. They were initially ranked sixty three, and you ended up number twelve, qualified yeah. for two thousand. like, did that was that was that success surprising at all of you? Like, that's an astounding jump in two years for a program that really like pretty much didn't exist. You're taking right. you're taking indoor players who are like on the outskirts of the world tour rankings, right. and then all of a sudden like you have a legitimate kind of dark horse metal contender.
1: Right. Right. Um, it was definitely surprising to a lot of people. I, I saw a ton of talent in them right off the bat. I, to this day, I think the right sider was one of the best right side defenders to ever play the game. I put her in the top 10 and possibly top five. Um, that was Cardassio. She was just really, really amazing. She had a complete knack for all the pieces of the game and just a hardcore competitor, kind of like a Carrie Misty type of just, I'm going to go get you and kill you. Um, but the, what was amazing was I always thought that the the uh, that the Greeks had qualified to the Olympics many times for volleyball. I thought they had this, you know, they had, they're known for having a strong indoor program. But they had never qualified. Their volleyball federation had never sent any team to the Olympics. And so when these girls just got full-time coaching, they excelled right away. <laughs> And they won a European tour stop, which they had never won. They'd never even medaled, and so that country just went bananas. The the girls just became national heroes, and the federation went bananas too, and just said, "Oh my God, we we let's keep funding this thing. This is great." And so the national tour grew, the juniors tour grew, and um, those girls went on to be legends. And work, I, so like, I, I guess the parlay from that story, the, the, what parlayed was we went to Sydney. Uh, they, they were able to bring a second coach as well who was going to stay out. I decided I was going to leave. Um, but in Sydney is when I ran into Barbara Fontana and she was out there as an alternate. And she said, Hey, I've seen the work you've done with these girls. It's amazing. If you're coming home, I'm going to play with Elaine Youngs next year and we'd love to hire you. And that was the first hire. And after that hire, Elaine Youngs was good friends with Kevin Wong. Kevin Wong said, Dude, Elaine says amazing things. And both those teams finished number one, and uh, Stein and, and uh, Kevin won their first tournament together. And, uh, it was awesome. It was a phenomenal year. I think there was like seven titles between those teams in the first
0: year that I came back, and the rest was
1: history, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's quite the start to your coaching career. Were you? I mean, how quick were you just learning on the fly for just how to coach beach volleyball players? I know you had a lot of experience being around a lot of the top guys, but just being around them and knowing the drills that they're doing and then actually – teaching the form and getting just the nuances down to make a beach volleyball powerhouse. Like you put Greek beach volleyball on the map. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you had quite right. the learning curve yourself, I'm sure, as did the players.
1: Well, I always felt like I was a very technical player. I was really skilled and I was really mental. I mean I got my degree in psychology and then a master's in sports psychology and I had a good vision for the game. My dad was a coach for like 30 years. My parents were teachers. So I always had an ability to explain things well and break things down in a simple fashion. Um, but the, the biggest break ever was just going over to Greece because I only had like four teams for that whole first year. And so I had a ton of spare time, you know, I felt like, Hey, if these guys are going to pay me, then I gotta, I gotta do a ton of work. I can't just go coach a couple sessions in the morning and be done. And so I was going around watching every possible video I was the biggest volley nerd you could ever imagine <laughs> I just collected every VHS on the world tour I had already had probably 50 VHSs from home because I was such an AVP nerd oh, VHS, and I just watched yeah, everything and I, I started <laughs> statting, and I just started statting everything why did that happen why did that pattern happen what kind of route created that and I mean I'm talking I would watch you know 25 hours of video a week in that first year and a half and then put it all down in graph paper and charts and paths and then I just started getting um, scouting reports on everybody I could possibly get. And then I went out on tour and went to every event I could possibly go to. And I developed a system for charting and statting and patterning defenses and offenses. And I ordered every possible coaching book I could possibly get. And (laughs) Chris hooked me up for that. So, I mean, yeah, it was literally like getting your 10,000 hours of coaching in one year. <laughs> yeah. The story of Bill Gates, you know how Bill Gates got started coding was like he just, you know, went out to his parents worked at uh, University of Michigan, and it just so happened he was ten years old with a ton of spare time while his parents were working, and that was where the biggest supercomputer in the world was at that time. And so it's just you know a little bit of dumb luck, right place, right
2: time with right. with some motivation. I feel like I need to spend like my whole offseason watching video now. <laughs> It's it's the
1: greatest tool that you can possibly use. So it drives me nuts when I know that some of the young kids have access to YouTube and they don't just go watch people because right. I grinded over those stupid VHS tapes. Yeah, all
2: really. The terrible TV and a terrible connection for years. Well, how about, how about data volley? Like how much time did you waste with VHS? Too much. <laughs> data volley is unbelievable. You can watch a whole match in 10 minutes and replay each uh, contact that you want.
1: Right. Well, this was 1998, 99,
2: and 2000. So that didn't exist.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah. Digital <laughs> yeah. wasn't even there, dude. So it was like grinding in this in the cellar. You know? Totally. And if we had to cut up a video, it was basically finding a VHS to VHS machine and literally playing a match and then just only record
0: and pause, record pause to catch all the like side outs, and we did right. stuff. It, wow. it blows my mind that Anders and Christian. Make it as easy as possible for people to watch film on them. They literally cut the matches up for uh, <laughs> uploaded on the YouTube for everyone else to watch. <laughs> and I mean, no one, no apparently, no one's taking advantage of of what they can see. We're like, might, they might know the tendencies, but there's only so much you can do when Anders is six seven jumping forty and swinging high deep corner every time.
1: Totally, I think what's so special about those guys is their nuance, right? Like they do the big stuff well, like big rocks, and then you got pebbles, and they do all the pebbles right. You know, yeah. I mean, try, try and Trevor played so well against them to get like seventeen points. I mean, but you guys did everything possible. You're serving them off the court half the time, and they're just passing bad, and then rolling that ball up like two feet off the net. And,
2: oh, oh, how about how about Anders' kick uh, kick set that was? Yeah, that was just, just a bicycle kick, kick up, set man. right on top. And then I won the jet house to the net, and they happened <laughs> to pop up right in front of them. Kill, like, and then they hit the line like every time. Like, yeah, these guys are. Yeah. (laughs) They look like they just
1: played perfect. But yeah, they get all the video out there. So people got to watch them and just, you got to watch a lot. And when it is cut up, it's nice. When you can literally watch a guy side out 10 times in a row with not much after it, just barely catch the pass, watch the set, the swing, boom, and then hit it on replay and watch it over and over and over. It's amazing what patterns your eyes will catch. Right it's amazing. It's like looking at a puzzle for a really long time and you just start seeing all these little nuances in a puzzle. It's the same right. thing with video, you know, your, I will just catch these patterns and go, okay, I, now you start seeing the, the nuances and the subtleties and that's what's needed to, to
2: win at the highest level. That's one thing that's been a huge blessing in disguise with my whole health issue is that, you know, yeah. and I kind of did it on purpose. I, you know, I sat, I put myself in position to watch a ton of volleyball, but I do feel like I'm seeing things differently now. And, uh, catching on to things a little quicker, uh, this time around. So I'm definitely going to be taking advantage of all that, uh, this off season. Absolutely. Like, uh, one of my mentors, Marv Dumphy, used to say that this volleyball is a visual
1: motor sport emphasis on the visual,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: just, you got to see what's happening, man. Like everybody can bump set in spike, but you got to see everything.
0: Yeah, I've never heard that one before. I like that one.
1: It's a good one. Emphasis on the visual.
0: Have you have you ushered in kind of a, a film culture to UCLA, or was Stein already on that before you got brought in? He was totally on it. Stein really loves uh, film, and he loves – Stein's best trait as a
1: competitor is that he just wants to be better than the guy right next to him in every single thing he does, whatever it is. And he got it from his mom, not his dad. His mom's just <laughs> awesome like that. And so Stein, Stein probably – I'm not even gonna say probably. We had the most advanced and efficient video of anybody, any program in the country. And I know that there was a couple big football schools that had some really good stuff too. But the way we did it was was really good. And we Stein just employs everybody possible. He gets any anybody working in video at all, anybody who can be an assistant or a volunteer. And um, we, I think, we run a pretty efficient breakdown with the girls.
2: Hence why you won the national championship.
1: It helped a lot. We had a guy that we just basically (laughs) said he was in the dungeon. We hired a guy and we just gave him a case of Red Bull. We got him his own room and said nobody get his phone number, nobody knock on that door. This guy's breaking down film. (laughs) He was at Gulf Shores and that guy probably worked sixteen to seventeen hour days getting this film ready for us so that like Tri said that you could watch it fast. Because the turnaround's pretty quick out there, right?
0: Yeah. Dude, you know you know who you remind me of a little bit is Brad Stevens. Uh, coach of uh, – formerly of Butler and now with the Celtics. I don't know if you're a basketball guy at all. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. I know of uh, Brad, yeah. he
0: Because he was a total just like stats and film junkie. So he brought in uh, – he brought in a guy at Butler um, to do pretty much what you just said. Like just here's a case of Red Bull. Break down <laughs> yeah. this film. Give us stats on stats on stats and we're going to use it. And that's like how he, he built Butler just on like just numbers and stats and film – just because like he didn't have the resources that like a UCLA or you know any of the top schools would have, and so right, he just right. took the resources available and used those.
1: Yeah, the key is making it efficient, right? And then telling the kids what to look at, because anyone can just go turn it on and just say, "Oh, there's an angle hit." Oh, there's an angle hit. Oh, she hits angle all the time. But you you got to have a couple things you're looking at. And I've never charted after my second year of coaching. I just said, I'm never going to like chart the court again and draw lines in because you need to know what the block's doing. And so I think watching slow-mo stuff is huge. Pausing a lot, like the, I think the most important thing for the kids to do is watch the set go up to its peak and pause and then talk to them about what do you see right now and then maybe go slow-mo until just about they were about to hit it and then they've looked at all those subtleties of the beginning of an arm swing right, and the relationship of where the ball is to uh, the hitting arm, and they need to see that a million times in slow-mo and freeze-frame, and another thing you can do is go video occlusion, right, is just stop the video there, and then they have to write down answers of what they see happening, and then not let them see it until, you know, much later. But
2: um, uh, I, 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 I uh, got on data volley, uh, or, yeah, metrics, and I was watching every match in slow motion, because you can skip through so much that you can w- actually watch every play in slow motion, and, and it's still only like 20 minutes to watch the match. That's so I just keep it on slow mo and just watch everything and replay whatever I want. And it's, yeah, it's amazing.
1: That's where you catch the nuance, right? Is in the slow mo. And then, you know, if you watch it enough, you'll start seeing it in slow motion when it's happening live.
2: Exactly. It's frustrating watching yourself, though, in slow mo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You catch every little error, you know? Totally. you're like no stop going that way don't step yet Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, the,
0: good, the good thing about me is that there's very little difference in watching film in fast motion and slow mo <laughs> it's the same speed the whole time <laughs>
1: if you can get a, a young player to sit through and watch themselves in slow mo you, you've achieved something right
0: there it's rough watching yourself play I'm gonna have to uh, to bring you in for a film sesh here one day, Z. I just kind of want to like see your process. I, I think it's always so fun to pick the mind of like a fellow volley nerd in like their natural habitat, which yours seems <laughs> to be a film, just a film room somewhere with uh, probably a beer or, or a cocktail. Oh, yeah.
2: Maybe we could uh, maybe we could make a little sandcast uh, YouTube video out of that. Have it'll be like detail with uh, Kobe Bryant, but with Z. Dude, that'd be fun. That would be sick. That'd uh, be sick. I'll be like the uh,
1: the Norwegians. I'll just share whatever I got with everybody. They can scope it out one time. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Let's uh, not share too much. With the- <laughs> <laughs> right. Then, uh, yeah. Then you got to buy the subscription. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They pay for that one.
1: I've got video of. of all the matches I ever uh, attended from any tournament I ever attended from 1998 to 2008, and it's all on mini DV. And so I just had some guy approach me who uh, I talked about it, and he was like, oh, my God, let me get these, you know, back on to – uh, digital for you, and get them on a computer so you can do something with these. And he's he's just totally trying to be my business guy now. He's like, oh yeah, I've done all these like uh, short sell video things for people where you know you get a subscription and da da da. I would love to take those because I think I have a 175 tapes that have three to four matches per on it, and some of the best players ever. You know, you got Emmanuel, Ricardo. It's uh, it's some good stuff. As well as all the American
0: teams. What were these filmed on? Was this like one of those old school, like clunky camera recorders?
1: High eight, high eight. Those little mini DVs. Okay. Those tiny little tapes.
0: What do you What do you guys film with uh, at UCLA? I know that uh, all like players film with all sorts of different things. We got iPads, GoPros are pretty popular, even though I think the fisheye look is terrible. Um, yeah. What yeah. Do you, what do you guys use over there?
1: Top secret. <laughs> No, it's just little cameras, just little, uh, you know, straight to digital little cameras. And we just film them at practice or at a match and then take them straight back. And then there's plenty of guys that can chop them up for us. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, guys from the baseball team that chop them up. Some of the baseball video guys, they're like, oh, I'd way rather watch volley. we would rather chop this up for you than the guys standing in the outfield.
0: <laughs> I would think so. A little bit more fast paced.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not a hard sell
0: to get those guys to help out. Uh, I would think not. <laughs> um, one thing that uh, that I found was funny that I I came I came across when I was just kind of reading up on you was that so Stein was talking to uh, UCLA student newspaper, the Daily Bruin, when they brought you on, and he said, and I quote, "He has head coach knowledge. The fact that we could uh, get to bring him in as an assistant is a total miracle. He could take a program." to the top five in no time in this country and we're just lucky that he happens to live in the area and he was available. So when you were brought in, Stein was like, dude, if we just get to the top five, like that's gravy and you guys go ahead and win a national championship. So... Like, <laughs> With, with Stein thinking top five, what were the, like the the expectations? Cause I mean I feel like everybody has kind of like their low bar goals, like the, the goals that are more realistic and then their reach goals like it. Was national championship on the table or is that more like in future discussions and you guys kind of surprise yourself?
1: Well, Stein loves to be the underdog and I was his coach for really seven full seasons on tour, and so I know his psychology really well. He never ever wants to he wants to do everything to be number one, but never let anyone know and including his team and partners. And, you know, like let's just lay back and let's let somebody else take all the, the limelight. And then we'll just surprise everybody. <laughs> so he, he may have been like uh low ball a little bit thinking about fifth there. You know, <laughs> we're going in as repeating champs with only losing one player this year. And he's just still pitching us as being the underdog. So, <laughs> That's his comfort level. You know, when he got really, really good as a player, like, he got to where people were like going, this is like the next Cards," you know. This guy's like 6'3", super yoked, big long arms. He looks like Cards. He plays like Cards. He's on the left side. Went UCLA. You know, it was just like, it looked like the second coming. He was like, I never want that. I don't want anyone to think like that. I'm just me. And, you know, I just want to be the underdog and keep surprising people. But as far as UCLA last season, I mean, I think – it was kind of an un, kind of an unspoken uh, prediction by a lot of people that we had a chance to win, but we certainly didn't think we were favored. I kind of thought Pepperdine was going to win it all last year, and I thought USC had the talent to be in the finals again. Apparently, they did not believe that uh, because they didn't talk or act like that. Um, but they were stacked last year too. So I thought it might have been like Pep and them and maybe us somewhere close. But um, we just hit a stride there. We won 31 matches in a row. And a lot of it was that, you know, the coaching staff did a ton of work to help that. But the girls just had this kind of natural chemistry. I mean, it's pretty rare to have, you know, 16 to 20 girls get along t- so well to the level that they got along with. And just brush little minor stuff off with a goal in mind, just being their best. And there was zero drama. There was tons of positive chemistry, a lot of ease. And, um, and they practice super, super hard every day and held each other accountable for their effort. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we got there, we got to Gulf shores and boom, got shocked right off the bat. Second match. We get kind of waxed by uh, Florida state and Stein's like, dude, we got to get video, got to go get video right now. Go get all the cameras. Let's go. And I just sat there for like five minutes and then I said, no, I refuse. <laughs> I, I don't want to go do video. I said, right now, let those girls go eat and let's go play miniature golf tonight. (laughs) And I said, he goes, do you got a game? You got an idea? What do you want to meet with them? And I just said, uh, I got an idea. And we created a really fun game. Didn't let anyone play with anyone they played with before as a volleyball partner. And after that game, one of our freshmen kind of said, I got something to say. And she said, Hey guys, we were supposed to lose this game. This, this year is not supposed to be a runaway like this for us. We've got to have a wake up call and we've got to grind. And that's the loss that we needed. And it just sent like this chill vibe to everybody where they suddenly just were not panicking. They didn't think they had to go back and watch video and find out what was wrong with them. They just had to shed something off their back and and, and look forward and be positive. And, and they did.
0: You, we got to send that story to like uh, a UCLA like student film producer. That's like straight out of Hollywood script right there.
1: It, it totally was. And it was amazing because I'll say it was Mac May and Mac May was a freshman from Dubuque, Iowa. She had the probably the least, least <laughs> volleyball experience of anybody there, <laughs> but she had the most poised perspective of what needed to happen. And it was so natural and so easy that it just clicked and Everyone just kind of felt like, yeah, let's go. That was the dirt we need. We need to get some dirt under our friggin' nails, now let's grind. And it actually was put together on film because we had a videographer out there, and he put um, three five-minute videos together, like in three chapters or three acts, and that was, uh, that was the middle act was the rebound. And it, it's, we can't watch it without
0: uh, shedding tears. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I knew <laughs> that, um, that Pepperdine yeah. just got there. Yeah. They had like a documentary put together. Um, and Delaney was talking about how how it was really well done. So like, have you, is it like out yet, the UCLA version of it?
1: Yeah, because it was ready like two weeks after. I mean, it, yeah, was, it was on it. And um, I don't know where to find it, to be totally honest. I'm not <laughs> Mr. Social Media Guy. and uh, I don't know where to find it. I can't even remember what it's called right now. I want to say it was called The Hunt. But you can probably find it like on Twitter or through UCLA Athletics or something like that. But it it was really, really well done and really well edited to some amazing music with just incredible like the buildup, you know, the fall and then the resurrection and the glory. And it's it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll have to take a look at that. If I can find it for you, I'll get it to you ASAP. It it is uh, pretty special. Awesome. Because I'm, I'm like you, I, I like, I, I'm like a super volley nerd and I like love film. Like, I think I've probably watched more of Tri's matches than Tri has. I eat up all of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it
1: was like a 30, you know, 30 for 30
0: or whatever, and uh, but in short version and it's, it's really cool. That's cool. And with, like... Can you give a breakdown just because I, I don't think a lot of the listeners would be familiar with the format of a national championship because I feel like most people would think that, like, it would be like March Madness, just like beach volleyball version, so it's way scaled down. So like, when people hear that you lost but you still won the national championship, they're probably like, how does that happen? Can you kind of give a, a breakdown of the, just like the format of how the national championship goes?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's like that super pared down March Madness with one secondary chance. It's like the AVP where you it's a modified double elimination. If you lose early, you're fine. But if you lose in third, I think you tie for third. So it's modified double limbs. So if you lose in those first two rounds or maybe even in the third round, you can come back. Um so, yeah, I mean, you know, as far as the AVP goes and some of the CBBA, the players are used to it, right? You can lose and you can still come back
0: unless you're used to the FIVB style where it's pool play and then single and limb and then you're out. But, is it, uh, it is funny to see how many different formats you have because, like, that format that you just described is the opposite of the FIVB where once you get to the semis, a hey, you get another crack in a medal. <laughs> but in the AVP, it's the exact opposite where, like, if you lose early, you can fight all the way back. Whereas if you get to the semis and then lose, you're screwed.
1: Yeah, that was the dirtiest thing ever on HG is going undefeated and losing that semi-match. A little kind of side note that you might uh, enjoy is, you know, it's always the first weekend in May, Gulf Shores and the NCAA Championships. And so once we lost that game, uh, we did all of that activity for that night. Then we had to go back and play two matches the, the next day and then two matches the next day. and. And that was a lot to go three days in a row, double, 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 because kids just don't train like that. And so I knew that they might need a little uh, pump somewhere along the way. And so we were just dying and grinding on, on Sunday, right? We had played like five matches already. Our opponent only played three, came back to the losers. And I, it was happened to be the 11-year anniversary of the AVP Huntington Beach on that exact same day, Stein and Lambo, who I was coaching in 2007, lost the very first round in Huntington and had to grind all the way back. I believe they played eight more matches to get to the finals and won Huntington. And so I pulled the girls aside at one point And uh, I also put something on Facebook so they could all see it. But I just pulled them aside and said, do you guys have any idea who your leader is? Do you have any idea how hard... It would be to do double what you're doing in a two-man game by yourself. I said, well, he's done that. And so you guys need to show that you've got his character in you. And you guys are going to come back and grind through the losers. And, it, and again, it was just something that was kind of special, like minor miracle that it happened on that day and that they could see the man standing before them that had done it by himself to win an open. I just think it gave him another level of confidence.
0: That's a cool story. It's fun to see Perfect. things like come full circle like that, especially like. Exactly eleven years. It's it's funny how it works out that way sometimes. With UCLA, everyone knows Sarah Sponsel at this point. Um, can you kind of shed some light on some of the other talent? Because obviously, you don't win just behind one talented player, especially in college. I know the AVP. Like you know, if you have a Phil, well, he can carry you to some titles for a while. But with college, you know, it's it's best three out of five matches. So, who else on UCLA should listeners be kind of keeping an eye on? Uh, to watch them come up.
1: Well, to touch on that concept real quick, um, I think it's the biggest misconception of collegiate beach volleyball. I mean, people constantly, 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 over and over and over just say stuff about like, oh, she's your fours. Oh, okay. Well, who's that playing? Oh, she's your fives. Oh, they act like your fives is less important than your ones. And it couldn't be any further from the truth. You know, fives, the teams at the five spot are often – The teams that are like the backbone of a whole program you know sometimes your fives your fours your threes are the team that you don't have to have a coach there for when you don't have enough coaches and they can carry themselves and they get all these kind of guaranteed wins SC had that for a while last year we had the number one fives last year two years ago when I was at Long Beach State we had uh the first or second place fives team and it's just so awesome to know that you're already starting the the dual one zero um so people out there remember that (laughs) All 10 players are super important. (laughs) Uh, We obviously return the the McNamara twins uh, from Canada, Megan and Nicole. And um, they are just phenomenal. They are total professionals in every sense of the word, the way they train, the way they uh, communicate, the way they practice, the way they prepare, uh, the way they schedule their, their days and their trainings and their their professional stuff around what we do at ucla like they're just the consummate professionals and they're going to be at our ones again this year for sure um sarah plays at the twos because last year coming in we weren't sure who sarah was going to play with at all we had about three or four with three ideas for sure uh that we're going to be and lily justine who ended up playing with sarah was not one of our first three choices because she had just played at the fives the year prior and was a little bit green. She played up, uh, she didn't have kind of like the Orange County or LA uh, PhD experience as a youth, if you will. She grew up in Chico. Um, But once she started, we did one scrimmage day and once she started playing with Sarah, it just clicked from the very first moment. Uh, She is a great passer and she's a super athletic dynamic hitter. And we said, hey, you know what? This is gonna be the kid who can utilize Sarah's ability to set different balls the most. And so the question was just, can she maintain uh, the ability as a sophomore to come in and play with one of the best players in college volleyball. And uh, she absolutely passed that test with flying colors all year long. And and for, for weeks at a time, Lily was kind of like the strong player, you know, the go-to player on that team. Uh, Megan Moraine is the carry. Uh, played at our five last year. They bumped maybe to the fours once or twice, but um, they were stellar. I don't know the record offhand, but it was probably somewhere around twenty-five and five-ish. And
0: um, Megan, they were another pair. Megan's another one that every she's just on the beach all the time. Like she's totally like <laughs> she's like similar. She kind of operates similar to how Timmy and John do. That like every CBVA that I've been to or like little AVP next, like she's playing in all of them. <sighs>
1: Yeah, she's a total uh, volley head, too, and those guys are, right? And so Izzy was a perfect fit because Izzy is super, super cerebral, too, and we put them with other players, and they played well, but nowhere near um, what what Stein likes to call one plus one equals three, right? The, the twins are a one plus one equals three. It's like they've got something extra when they're together, and Megan and Izzy absolutely have that, and that's what we're looking for in partnerships, right? It's not just one plus one equals a team. It's like, what do you got that's special, and all those three that I mentioned there absolutely had that. Quite I like
0: good. that. I like that concept of the one plus one equals three. Try. I feel like you and Trevor have a little bit of that going on because, like, on paper, I don't think you guys should be as good as you are, but <laughs> you're like, you're really good. They
1: totally have that.
2: I didn't think we would be that good to be honest. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just going to go have some fun and play with my buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, maybe maybe a little bit of that. I'm, I'm, we're certainly surprising ourselves, um, but I, I like that concept. Uh, I definitely think chemistry has a ton to do with it. Uh, I mean, you, you spend so much time with this person uh, just off the court that you have to have a good relationship. I think it's super important. And, and Z, you've seen over the years how many teams at the very highest level couldn't Figure out their chemistry, their relationship, and that completely broke up the partnership and ruined them on the court. Right, they can be literally perfect on paper together. Exactly, it's it's happened so many times, and I love going up against teams like that because you just got to get them mad at each other a little bit, and then you just right. watch them fall apart. Right. <laughs>
1: No, a, totally. you, you and Trevor totally have that, and I think the more that you guys speak verbally out loud on the court, the more it comes out.
2: Yeah, it's fun. I have a lot. I have a lot I can dig into uh, in terms right. of like you know figuring out what to say to Trevor. I try to, I try to get him mad. That's kind of usually the best. Uh, go a little right. no, go a little nostalgic with talk about the baby court back in the day, like you know stuff like that. And then I and then I'll kind of throw in small stuff like. Hey, you hear what that guy just said to you? You're you're just gonna let him say that stuff? Like that, yeah. <laughs> that's got to be the go-to, even if it's a lie, right? Like yeah, medicals. Trevor's exactly. He's <laughs> just got to be mad at the other guy, and and he'll ball out for sure.
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt, he <laughs> did that so much in the last couple of years, and I don't think he could ever get mad enough at Phil. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you got to actually like hate him when you go play him, because
2: that's he said all the way
0: up to the finals. Yeah, that's true seemed to work pretty well against germany for you guys the germans were not appreciative of trevor's mouth no
2: no they weren't
1: <laughs> we I mean, could tear him up in the mood, but just the stare downs were phenomenal
2: watching try <laughs> celebrate behind the stare down was just like yeah. perfect <laughs> i, w- I, I mean, mean we were honestly it was we just needed to bring some energy so so we just started making some noise and and i guess uh you know other teams don't like that sometimes we weren't really talking through the net and then when the german guy started talking through the net because he was mad that we were, you know sending that vibe over towards his way he uh, and then we started talking to him and then he was really screwed no <laughs> oh, that ends all over once he started talking to us it was like all right dude um, game over game over <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we play a really cerebral, a physical game, but it's very cerebral, right?
1: And you've got all these game plans you got to try and stick to and all this knowledge you got to remember the last three or four or five plays and all that, but you you can never forget to play with your heart too, right? Sometimes you got to put the mind aside
2: and play with the heart. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the mouth. That's, that's what it's about. <laughs> well, you know, some players know how to play that game, so you try to bring it into your realm. Oh. And, uh, to be honest, most Euro teams uh, oh. don't want to play that way. So when they do start talking, you're like, all right, perfect. You're coming right, coming right to us. <laughs> <All> right, right. <laughs> we learned that the party with Nick
1: Lucena when Nick was just after a couple of years of playing with Phil, maybe second year. Or so he, he, he wasn't quite as hot as he got for a while there yet, but like Stein used to try and re- like get guys all riled up and man out in Cincinnati, I think it was 2007. Oh, boy, that was bad. <laughs> we were oh. killing Phil and Nick, and Stein let Nick know about it. Like, he basically, like, wasn't, like, you're not good enough to hang behind that good player or something, and then Nick right. went off and destroyed us. I
2: was like, oh, okay, let yeah. let Sleepy
1: Dogs lie.
2: Nick has a, is one of the most fiery players I've ever seen. Ever yeah, he's, seen. <laughs> he's looking for that edge, too, just like Trevor, like Casey Jennings. Yeah, exactly. There's guys, yeah, you don't want to wake them up yeah if they're, if they're sleeping let them sleep right, right just go to bed yeah and jeff i know that we've been
0: we've been talking for a while already now and, and there's like still like so much more that we that i want to <laughs> dig into so i know that uh you wanted to come on for an in-person podcast and have a cocktail so we can definitely arrange that too.
2: um definitely but I know yeah we're uh we we're gonna we're talking about doing a round table bringing in a few people maybe uh over uh, over a drink or so, uh, maybe over at Alzina's house because since he lives down the street from Stein, we just we just renovated our backyard finally and put some money into in the
1: backyard of our house instead of the front. And we got quite the volley neighborhood here. We got both Crab Brothers, we got Tri, we got Rosie, Sean Scott. Stein lives like six houses away, so <laughs> <laughs> we might be able to get a pretty good round table going. Man, there's just yeah, uh, no, no talent, talent in South Bay these days. Yeah, a little cornhole, uh, <laughs> a little bit of a little fire pit,
0: a little jacuzzi. We got it all. Dude, heck yeah! <laughs> um, I am. I am curious. I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know it's late, and you uh, you do like you have like a million hours of coaching per day. Um, <laughs> and you have a child <laughs> and, and, and child.
1: I got like She went to bed on her own, so I don't know how that <laughs> Nice.
0: But at this point, like, you've coached you're, – you're coaching at UCLA right now. Are you still on as the volunteer assistant? I sure am. Okay. Uh, which is really cool, by the way. That's awesome. Um, and you you've coached, like, dozens and dozens of Olympians, hundreds of pros. What – is the next step that you want to take in your career as a coach like is there another another big mountain to climb you've already like pretty much invented a program in greece you're building up the usa program you're starting us with our juniors you won a national championship with ucla so what are you looking for in the future here
1: um my teams on the beach my pro teams have never i've never won hermosa as a coach (laughs) i gotta get a hermosa that's a surprise I've got two Manhattans and I've got, uh, I think 40 or 41 open wins out of 84, but I got to get a Hermosa. That's got to get checked off. Um, but the, probably the big plan. I mean, I I, I like where I'm at with our club right now with Steins LA beach uh, club that we kind of share duties on, um, I really like growing that club and, and making that good. If we could ever get big enough to have guys, a boys club alongside, it would be pretty cool. But I think the real goal for me, like, you know, to put a real cap on it would be to, to be able to finish off as a head coach at NCAA and uh, if possible, win a national championship. But I, I would just really like to helm my own program at some point. And um, to be honest, I really thought it would have happened by now having so much ncaa experience even prior you know and uh and a master's degree i'd like to teach too if i could but um we'll see i'm in a good place right now but i think uh you know a story storybook ending would be to, to get hired at a program uh in a town that i really still want to live in and uh try and grow that program into something pretty special before i cash the chips and just become a full-time announcer <laughs> <laughs> <There> you
0: yeah <go. laughs> i wouldn't mind calling a couple matches with you that'd be fun
2: Let's do it. Yeah, I got to get one in and try too. Yeah, that's us it. We didn't get one in
0: last year. Did we? Did
2: we get a? Oh, you know what? We got a. We got Manhattan two years ago. Was it? Yeah, yeah. We did something together. Yeah, we did. We did. And we got a Sam Adams. We were getting texts from Casey Jennings. <laughs> that's right. During the match. That's right. <laughs> oh my. Oh. gosh. That's right. Yeah, that was good stuff. But But we'll we'll get get back back up up. there. I got to get get back back up up in the booth too. Uh, Luckily, we've been making uh, some Sundays lately, so we have I haven't had time, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back up there as well.
1: For sure, I got to start tuning in more to what you guys do. I'm I'm stoked that you guys do what you do. I I don't have the uh, wherewithal to be a a podcast inventor, (laughs) but (laughs) I, I think everybody loves what you guys do with this, and I see how hard you guys work and how quick you get uh relevant stuff out you know and, and interview kind of like the hot people after the hot event and and get that info out to the world mm. it's
0: pretty rad so thanks to what you guys do thank you sir Dude, it's fun thanks for coming on and uh, thanks for coming on so late we'll definitely have to uh to have one in person maybe a little south bay barbecue sandcast that'll be fun i will work with try on the side to set that up within the next three or four months perfect sweet and i'll uh I might just have to uh, get a hold of your email and send you all of my film and then you can start correcting my all
2: of my crap (laughs) (laughs) alright well the first one's free he he only accepts high tapes
0: (laughs) I'll get him in VHS just for you please bring me back to the roots (laughs) alright Z we appreciate you coming on bud thanks for the
2: chance to talk to you guys man thanks Z